Hey, 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 good morning, friends and family. Welcome to episode number 37 of The Corporate Quitters. My guest today is Lisa Bowman. Lisa, good morning. Good morning, Robert. Thanks so much for having me. You know what? Thanks for being here so early in the morning. <laughs> it's 8 a.m. for you, but it's 7 a.m. for me, so it's even earlier. It is earlier time. I hope you have coffee. I came prepared, so. <laughs> you know what? I'm actually caffeine free. So a lot of people are surprised when they hear that because apparently I'm a little animated and energetic, <laughs> but I am caffeine free. The stuff just makes me jittery and nervous. So <laughs> my only caffeine is coffee. I don't drink soda, but I have to have my coffee in the morning. I completely understand. All right. So look, guys, this morning. We're going to talk about workplace harassment because you know what? I think that we can all agree that bullies are bad. And I think that we can all agree that harassment happens in the workplace every day. So that is why we have Lisa here. So Lisa, tell us a little bit about your story and what's happening right now in your life. Thanks, Robert. A lot, actually. A lot. <laughs> um, I, you know, I, um, I was uh, terminated from my role two years ago. I was the global CMO for United Way Worldwide, which is the world's largest nonprofit, largest privately funded nonprofit. Uh, they're a $4 billion organization that operates in 40 countries. Um, certainly, I think people of, uh, you know, your generation, my generation, we all grew up with United Way in the workplace. Um, but I left a 15-year career at UPS to take an offer uh, from United Way, which was my dream job. And within two years, uh, there was someone that was hired uh, into that organization that began to harass me. And when I reported it, I was retaliated against and subsequently lost my job for it. Um, that was two years ago. And uh, been fighting the battle ever since um, and felt inspired to some extent to write a book about it, which was released a week ago Monday. So when you said what's happening lately, it's been a lot. <laughs> it has been a lot. Now, let's talk about harassment, though, because oftentimes when we talk about harassment, we think about somebody being battered and battered and bruised by fists. But does harassment have to involve physical touch? It does not. Um, there are multiple ways that somebody can be harassed. And one of the things that in my case, um, my, my harassment was non-physical. Um, it was verbal. Uh, it was behavior. Um, the Title VII uh, under the Federal Civil Rights Act, which is where harassment falls, talks about unwanted physical and verbal contact. It talks about intimidating contact and you know, Robert, people always think that people have to physically touch you, that you need to be groped, that you need to be grabbed for it to constitute harassment. Um, that's not the case. Yeah, abuse can definitely be verbal. And oftentimes the verbal abuse has a deeper impact than the physical abuse. Oftentimes the physical abuse, the wounds heal at certain points, but that verbal and that mental abuse stays with you forever. So you guys, Lisa has a book called Harass Hole that she's written about her experience. I tell you what, 
I am only a few pages from the end, but this is a page turner. It is a very good book. And she said a few things in it that really resonated with me that I that I, I really liked. So I just want to bring up a few things. One thing she said was, my story, unfortunately, is one that happens every day to thousands of women and men. I think it was what struck me about this is that when you read it, you can see the the obje the objectivity in the book. Uh, you can see facts being laid out. You can see fairness on both sides of the aisle. You can see Lisa bringing forth an issue that we all need to talk about. Because another thing that she said was, it is a story about being silenced and those who have been relegated to silence for a variety of reasons. So harassment can happen to anyone, regardless of age, sex, gender, uh, religion. It is something that is prevalent in the workplace and it is something that is horrible and needs to stop. So Lisa, can you tell us when's the first time you felt harassed at work? So thanks, Robert. And I, you know, before I answer that, I want to go back to something you just said, because you talked about the fact that harassment can happen anywhere to anyone. 81% of women in a study that was done in 2019, right before the pandemic, right? 81% of women reported experiencing sexual harassment at some point in their career. Um, that's, that's way too many. But I think for me, you know, with my, with my story, um, that harassment essentially started from the time that I interviewed uh, my harassal for the job that he had applied for. Um, in the book, and you've read it, you know, I detailed that from the moment I was asked to interview this candidate, he, I'm five feet tall, um, on a good day. You know, if I fluff up my hair, I stand up really straight. I just hit five feet. Uh, my harassal is a rather large guy. He's probably six, two. Um, he stepped right into my personal space. And I mean, into my personal space, looked down at me and told me I was intimidating. Um, that is number one, you're way too close to me. Number two, you don't know me. Number three, you're a candidate. You're here for an interview. This is best foot forward. Um, that really foreshadowed, I think what I was in for, uh, with this man, I, I hesitate to use the word gentleman, but what I was in for, uh, with this person. So, um, I think that I didn't necessarily realize in that moment that that was harassment, but as things started to unfold and I reflected back on that entire journey with him, it became very clear to me um, because harassment is not about sex. It's about power. Um, and so as I reflected back, as I was learning, as I was on this journey that I never asked to go on, right, I, I realized what this was about in that initial moment. Wow. So you guys, we're on episode number 37 of the Corporate Quitters. Lisa, let me just say, you have some supporters here this morning. Abby says, so happy to see you doing well. Thank you for standing up. Good morning, Abby, and thank you for joining us today. We also have Mary here that said she has read your book and it is a must read. Mary, I 100% agree. All right, you guys. So if you're just tuning in, Lisa was just telling us about the first encounter she had with a person that she's calling her harass hole, uh, which is the title of her book. And I like the fact that she's put a label on it and, and a very descriptive label at that. Now, you just mentioned the first time 
you encountered him. He did some things that made you uncomfortable, but at that moment, you didn't really realize or recognize that it was harassment. So once you realized that the things he was he was doing were harassment, what did you do next? So I had been enduring this for about 15 months before I actually needed to take formal action. But in my interactions with him, which really turned from that initial interaction, then he started being antagonizing, almost typical abuser pattern where there would be an insult followed by a compliment, right? Um, and that's a typical pattern that you see yeah. with abuse. But um, what I would have to do is bring him back to the reason that we were having an interaction, right? Whenever there was a comment being made about my physical appearance. And let me qualify that it's very different for somebody to say, hey, you know what? I like that dress that you're wearing, right? That's a pretty dress versus that dress looks great on you. Those are two very different things. And so when those comments would start to occur, I would always have to check him and say, you know what, Russell, we're not here to talk about my dress. We're not here to talk about my outfit, my hair, my glasses, whatever it is. We're here to work on this project. We're here to solve this problem. Um, and I candidly, Robert, thought that I was handling it. Um, it, it wasn't until there were two younger women and women of color on my team uh, that came to me with issues about him and experiences that they had that I had to go to HR. And initially I went to HR on their behalf, um, not for myself, uh, because I needed to protect them. Um, these were two younger women. As I said, they were women of color. They were not going to stand up against a white male C-suite executive. But that was not only what I was obligated to do as the department head by policy, right? But also by moral obligation. Um, you know, we have an obligation to protect each other in the workplace, to look out for each other in the workplace. And quite frankly, these were two women of color. Um, that's where, in my mind, white privilege came in. And I had that obligation uh, to go handle this for them. Wow. Wow. And, you know, so he was making comments about your appearance. Um, speaking of comments, we were talking off air just a few minutes ago, and I told you about something that I read in the book that made me rethink some things that I had said and or done. And we had this really nice conversation. So I'm going to let you guys in on a conversation we just had a few minutes ago. <laughs> so I was telling Lisa, in the book, she mentioned that her harass hole called her by her last name so he would say bowman and he also called her boss lady and i told her about a time where i worked with this woman that i had a high level of respect for and i would often refer to her as boss lady and throughout the years she actually said to me at one point in time you robert are the only person here that can call me boss lady and so it made me rethink what i had said to her and what we came to, what Lisa and I came to the conclusion of, and what I thought about was context really counts because she understood that when I said that, I truly viewed her as a boss lady and it was out of respect, which is why she said to me, you're the only person that can call me that. But it's not about, it's not all about the words that you use. It's about the context within which you use them. So what do you think about that, Lisa? 
You know, I, Robert, thank you for relaying that conversation. I, you're exactly right, right? This is what we talked about. It's about context and it's about your relationship with that person. Um, in my case, I did not have that friendly, jovial relationship with that person. Um, this happened very soon after he started. And in my case, it was absolutely a sign of disrespect. In your case, this was somebody that you had a relationship with. You did it out of respect for her. And she told you, like, she gave you permission by saying you are the only person that's allowed to do that, right? She was acknowledging that we have a relationship where that's okay. And I don't consider this offensive. In my case, it was a sign of complete disrespect. Um, again, hadn't worked with him very long, didn't know him very well. We did not have that kind of relationship. Um, and it's one thing, I think in your case, the woman actually may have been your boss. Um, she was not my not boss. Your boss. Not, I'm sorry, was or was not? Was not. Was not. Um, peers or was she superior to you in the corporate hierarchy? She was a peer, but she was over, she had a significant span of authority in the organization. I mean, like a boss, truly. Um, yeah. And so again, I contextual, it depends on your relationship. There's certain things that you can say to people at work, given your relationship with them that are not going to be taken out of context. And I think that's part of the challenge that we face in the workplace today with harassment, right? You don't want to lock things down so that we have this completely sterile, unfriendly um, workplace where people can't interact with each other out of fear. Yet, we need to understand that when we're at work, we're at work to get a job done. Um, we're not at work to, you know, be inappropriate. Um, and I think that you've got to find that balance in the workplace. Absolutely. I agree 100%. So if you guys are just joining, this is episode number 37 of the Corporate Quitters, and we're talking to Lisa Bowman. We're talking about harassment in the workplace and Lisa you still have a lot of supporters showing up for you. Mary says, uh, I think I've already said that one. She read your book and it's a must read, but Angela is here. And Angela says, Lisa Bowman is a rock star. <laughs> Thank you, Angela. A rock star. Now, Lorraine is here and she says, harassment isn't about sex. It's about abuse of power. Kim says, She's also been in this situation and it takes courage to talk about it. Thank you. And I want to say thank you, too, because sometimes all it takes is one person to step forward and then other people will as well. Because David actually says, Lisa, we stand with you now and always. And my man Clarence is here. Clarence says, thanks for the invite, Robert, because for me, I was labeled as the angry black man when I say things are not right. If I say something, then I'm using race. Sometimes you just can't win. Yeah, I, I think this is an issue that affects a lot of people. And like we said earlier, it is about abuse of power, regardless of your ethnic background, your race, your height, your weight. Um, it is something that needs to be addressed. So now that we kind of talked about what happened to you and some other people in the audience have chimed in, I think that as soon as we realize something is not right, I think it's important to set boundaries. And you, in your book, you talked about a time you walked into a location and someone was being very disrespectful to you. And you said something to him, which I thought was 
in hindsight, now hearing the story, it was kind of comical. But in the moment, I'm sure it wasn't comical. You told him, I'm going to give you five minutes to get your attitude together and come back in. I think setting boundaries is very uh, uh, important. So can you talk about that moment and tell the folks what you did and what you experienced when you went in and what gave you the courage to actually set that boundary? Sure. So um, that particular moment that you're referring to was something that happened uh, earlier in my career um, when I was working with franchise organizations. This was just after UPS had acquired uh, mailboxes, et cetera. And to be clear, like UPS's corporate culture is one that is highly ethical. People respect each other. Um, it is a very strong, good culture. I spent 15 years there. And so this was an anomaly. Um, the context for it is that we had acquired these franchise locations and they're independent businesses, but all of a sudden they just got purchased by this large Fortune 50 company. And I was in doing a store visit uh, and the franchisee uh, made a comment to me when I walked in and said, you know, oh yeah, you're, you know, the bitch from corporate. And I stopped him and it was like, hey, you know what? I'm going to walk back outside and I'm going to come back in and we're going to start this all over again and expect you to greet me appropriately. Like that is not how we deal with people. And for me, it really wasn't even personal. It was more that this organization is now going to carry a specific brand on it, a brand that I work for, right? And this is not how we treat people in our culture. And so we need to stop this behavior. And I think that's part of it, right? When when somebody's being harassed, it's a really hard thing to stand up in that moment and stop your harasser and call it out. Because I think that we're really programmed. Um, and, you know, Abby made a great comment in the chat. She said, harassers are harassers. They know they're doing it. It's intentional. And she's right. Um, there are folks that are serial harassers. And they do know what they're doing. And it's psychological. Um, but it. I think that when you don't stop it the first time, you're implicitly sending a signal that this is okay. And, you know, going back to with my harass hole, telling him, we're not here to talk about this, right? This is, we're here to talk business. Um, that for me was my way of trying to stop it. But when you don't address it, I think that people intuitively think it's okay. And for these folks that do this, they go, ah, oh, yeah. I did that. There was no reaction. That's cool. Let me do it again. Um, and that just empowers them and emboldens them to do it again and again and again. And, you know, I'll just tell you, in my case, my harass hole, I, I was not his first one. And I, I hesitate to use the word victim because I don't use that word. Um, but I was not the first one that he did this to. After some of the media went public, I was contacted by a woman that had worked with him in the early 2000s, and I never named him in any of the media uh, that was out there. Um, and candidly, the reason I didn't name him is because I was afraid for my personal safety, but I also think he's a little unbalanced. And if he chose to do something to himself as a result of my outing him, I didn't want that responsibility on me. And so I chose not to name him, um, but I had a woman who contacted me and she said, I got you through three layers of mutual contacts. I know who this person is. And I said, I never named him. 
And she said, no, you don't understand. I worked with him back in 2005 and I recognized his behavior and I knew where he went. And when I read that article, I knew that's who it was. And she told me his name. And, you know, again, 2005, this happened to me starting in 2018. Um, This is somebody that's gotten away with it throughout the duration of his career and nobody has held him accountable. And that's why he will continue to do this wherever he goes next. And I don't, I don't think he will. I know he will because we don't have systems to catch these folks. Yeah. Well, this is why culture is extremely important as well. Cause you just talked about the culture at UPS and how, when you walked in and you set that boundary, you then carried on with the meeting the way that you, you know, you carried on with the meeting. Um, when we have a culture where people are comfortable speaking up against wrong, it makes for a, be- a better environment for everyone. But when you have a culture where you kind of sweep things under the rug or you don't talk about certain things or there's certain taboo topics that you don't address, these things can become hidden and they become the cultural norm in an organization, whether right or wrong. So culture is extremely important because it shapes what happens in the organization. And I think there's a cycle that you go through. I think the first time you experience something that's wrong, you have this shock. So it's like a shock and awe, like, did I just see that? Did I just hear that? Did this just happen? And then it continues to happen because we are in denial of what's actually happening. And then by the time you do speak up, people begin to question, as as you just said, people begin to question, why didn't you say anything sooner? Um, And I think that's the cycle that we go through. So, So tell me, what gave you the courage to actually speak up? You know, it's, um, it was an interesting journey. I, I was very fortunate, candidly, Robert, in the fact that I have a friend, um, and I, I've referenced this in the book quite a bit, but um, Gretchen Carlson, uh, who's probably one of the most public faces of the Me Too movement, um, is, is somebody that I know. And I had a conversation with Gretchen over the summer uh, after I lost my job. And, you know, one of the things that I said to Gretchen is I said, listen, I, you know, I'm a marketer. And so marketers tell stories, right? That's what we do. I've, I've worked PR, but you're a journalist. There has to be a story worth telling. And is this a story that deserves to be told from a journalistic perspective? And her response was absolutely yes. She said, think about it. You know, this is, this is United Way. And for me, it was, I I needed to let people know, you're not buying a product or a service from United Way, right? If you're dealing with a consumer product goods company or any type of commercial company, this is a commodity. If you don't like that company's behavior, you can go buy this from anywhere. With a charity, you're giving your money. You're making a personal decision to give your money there. And it felt like donors really needed to know what was happening. Um, And so I I did end up going public with it in November of 2020, about six months after I lost my job. And, you know, I I will say very honestly to you and to the audience here that, and I said to my husband, I'm like, 
every time somebody tells me how brave I am, I feel like a fraud because it really, I, I was scared, right? It's a big thing to publicly out a company like that. I had knots in my stomach for days. Um, it is a scary thing to do that because the odds are stacked against you. You know, the thing is, is that you alluded to this. People generally don't believe you. They question why you didn't speak up first. I think we as women question ourselves when it happens. Did that really happen? Am I being too sensitive? Did I take that out of context? Um, and, I, you know, so you, you go through this journey. But for me, it was about really doing the right thing and speaking up about what was happening. Um, and shortly after I did, other women came forward. More than 20 women came forward and wrote a letter to the board of United Way telling them, and I, I didn't know these women, I did not work there during their tenure, um, but they came forward and wrote a letter and basically said, you know, what we just read about is not unique to her. We either personally experienced it or witnessed it during our time there. And that for me was sort of the checkbox. I was like, okay, you know what? Sometimes you have to take one for the team. Um, and there were women that were behind me. There were women that were going to come after me. I had to make this stop because none of us wanted to be in that position. Nobody wants to be there. And quite frankly, you know, to anybody that would question to some extent, oh, you know, did you go public for publicity? Nobody wants to be that face or on this journey, right? I didn't ask to be here but I felt like it was the right thing to do. Yeah, let me just say, bravery is being scared and then just doing a darn thing anyway. So I, I understand when people say that you're brave, I understand what that really means. Uh, there's no need to feel like a fraud because you know, oftentimes people think someone is brave when they just stand up to something and they're just fighting the good fight. There's fear. There's a lot of fear. I think fear is a part of it, but pushing past that fear is what really makes us brave. So if you guys are just joining us, we're on episode number 37 of The Corporate Quitters. Lisa Bowman is here. We're talking about workplace harassment, and we still have a lot of people who are commenting, Lisa, their support. Melinda says, this is a very important topic. Thanks for covering this. Proper harassment training for all employees is needed, no matter the size of the business. I agree. And Mary Ann says, standing with you, Lisa Bowman, thank you for having the courage to speak up. We can't make change without shining a light. Um, and Robin says, always a class act, Lisa. I've always respected you for that. So I think you have a lot of people who are supporting you and what you're doing right now. Um, <clears throat> Like I said, everyone, we're on episode number 37 of The Corporate Quitters. We're talking about workplace harassment. If you've missed any parts of this episode, I suggest that you go back and listen from the beginning. Lisa Bowman tells her story about being harassed in the workplace and standing up for what is right. So, Lisa, let me just say there was one part of the book that really it really touched me because you said this is the first time I felt as though I was standing up for something that was universally wrong. And you also went on to say, 
not something that was wrong from your standpoint, Lisa Bowman, but just universally wrong. I think that that takes courage. I think that that takes a lot of bravery. I applaud you in doing that. And I think we have enough people here in the chat who are also on your side as well. So Marianne says, the hardest thing you'll ever do when you stand up for yourself in the charitable sector, you are called a narcissist. When you stand up for workers in the corporate sector, you are called a social justice warrior. That's true. It's true. And, you know, to that point, and I, I, I know Marianne has also worked in the NGO sector. And the reason that in that particular sector, people stay silent is because they don't want to hurt the mission of the organization. And that was a real struggle, Robert, that I had to go through um, before going public with this, because given the way that my former employer is structured, um, there's a lot of local chapters of that organization that were not a party to this, and they do really, really good work. And so I had to balance calling out what was wrong at the mothership, if you will, with not hurting the mission and the good work on the ground that the locals do. And that that was a big struggle for me. Um, but at the end of the day, it's what needed to be done. Yeah, well, and I think we have to remember that organizations are made up of individuals. Organizations have their own goals and objectives, and it's up to individuals to collectively come together to achieve those goals and objectives. However, every individual also has their own individual goals and objectives in life as well. So it would be unfair to blame a few individuals for the entirety of an organization, um, you know, and that's why culture is so important. So, Lisa, let me ask you, what would what advice would you give to someone who is experiencing harassment in the workplace right now? Because I'm sure there's at least one person right now who's experiencing certain things and they don't know where to go or what to do. Yeah, that great point, Robert. And that's, again, part of why I wrote the book, right? Learning from my own journey. So what I will say, and no disrespect to any of the HR folks that might be there, but the, the first thing you need to remember is that in this situation, while by policy, you're most likely obligated to report this, um, HR is not your friend. And don't make that mistake. And again, I don't say this to be disrespectful or downplay the role of HR, but HR is there to protect the company. They are not there to protect you, the employee. So you want to make sure that you are documenting everything. Um, you also want to make sure that you share those documents uh, with somebody outside of your workplace. Give somebody a backup copy of those documents. Um, and you need to go to HR and tell them this is happening, right? And I've been documenting it and I expect a response as to how you're going to handle it. And I want to be really clear that just because you go make an allegation to HR does not mean that they should just take your word for it, right? But what they should do is conduct a fair and balanced investigation um, and then come back and tell you how they're going to handle it. But you need to remember that you run the risk. And this is what puts people off from going to HR. The minute you speak up about it, you may end up with a target on your back and you may become the liability that, uh-oh, somebody's making noise. And this goes back to culture. If your company has good culture, if your company does what they say they're going to do, 
right? And I saw a comment in the chat that talked about everybody needs harassment training. Yeah, everybody needs the training. Everybody also has a policy. It's what you do with that policy that matters, right? We had a policy. We had a policy that was very clear about no harassment, um, that failure to report harassment would result in consequences up to and potentially including termination. And we had a zero tolerance for retaliation policy. But I'm living proof sitting right here telling you that if you don't uphold your policies, this is what happens. And this is why people are afraid to speak up. Um, you know, 75% of people that report harassment also face retaliation, three quarters. It's huge. And it's not until people stop being afraid and a couple of people stand up. And like I said, take one for the team that we start to make some change here. Because if we don't, we're going to be having this conversation 20 years from now. And what was really, really important to me, and I think a key driver, is I have a 17-year-old bonus daughter. Uh, she was a gift with purchase that came with the husband. I do not want this fabulous young lady walking into a workplace as she starts her career and facing what I've gone through. I want this to be something that we talk about used to happen in the past, not something that's still prevalent today uh, when she gets there. You know, it's, it's 2022. We're having bad behavior getting normalized. Um, we're seeing it not just in the corporate sector, but kind of all around us, right? And you and I have talked about this just a little bit. Um, but we're seeing bad behavior just get normalized and get tolerated. And we need to get back to a place where we have got civility and mutual respect for each other as human beings to get back to a place where we can agree to disagree, but we don't need to be disagreeable about it. Yeah. And, and for people who know me, I talk about this a lot, getting back to core values in the world. I think we've moved from a value-driven society to a view-based society. And there's a, there's a complete difference between the two. When it comes to values, we can agree to disagree on a lot of different views, but the core values, honesty, integrity, and things like that should be things that we never disagree about. Um, now, Clarence is here and Clarence is saying, years ago, he told a director he was wrong for what he was doing because he was bullying two female coworkers. His director told him that he was wrong because as because he was a supervisor and should never go against the top people. Clarence said he told him to go to hell and he had to leave. So that's and to me, that's what it's about. It's about the community speaking up for what's right, not who is right. And I say this a lot, too. I don't give a crap about who. It's the what. What is right are our moral principles that we should all have, that we should all stand on. So if you guys are just joining us, this is episode number 37 of the Corporate Quitters. We have Lisa Bowman here. We're talking about workplace harassment. Lisa has a fascinating and fantastic book called Harass Hole that you should read because it'll get you thinking about harassment in a totally different way. And for some of us, it'll confirm the things that we've always believed all along. So, Lisa. I want to ask you, how can we find you if we want to get in touch with you, uh, if people want to talk to you about certain things? Are you available for keynote speeches? What are you doing to help us now that we're in this place of acknowledging that harassment exists? Thanks, Robert. Um, LinkedIn, great place to find me. That's initially where you and I connected. 
uh, or my website. Uh, there's a contact form there, which is harasshole.com. And I, I am starting to do some speaking on this. It's something that I feel very passionate about. Um, you know, one of the things that nobody ever talks about, and I, I want to put this out there in full transparency, nobody ever talks about what happens to the people that speak up, right? What happens to their career? And I'm going to share with you two things that have happened since I went public to just help people understand. Again, this is why people don't come forward, but we have to stop being afraid. Um, it's been really hard for me to find another role because I did go public, right? And that speaks a lot to culture. If you don't want to hire me, are you worried about your culture? Um, I had an interview, and this is detailed in the book. I had an interview. I had a job offer uh, just about a year ago. And at the last minute, one of the board members from the organization had a problem with the fact that I had gone public and the job offer was rescinded. I had a final interview uh, several weeks ago um, for a CMO role. And as I was in the final interview uh, with the head of the organization, who was also a female, by the way, uh, one of the things that she said to me is, I read some of the stuff that happened with United Way, um, and I, I'd like to hear about it from you. So I explained to her what had happened. And what she said to me is, well, I don't have a problem with that because, you know, all of us in the C-suite have faced that at one time or another. I just need an assurance that you won't be a problem if you come here. And I wrote her a letter the next day. Um, I had a 50-50 shot at this job. It was down to me and one other candidate. I wrote her a letter the next day and withdrew from the search. I, I, I can't work there, right? This is somebody that's already prejudged that I am a problem and a woman. And to Clarence's point, Clarence, congratulations on telling that person to go to hell um, because him telling you you should never go against the top person is absolutely wrong. And we need people to stand up for each other in the workplace. I had nobody. My peers knew what was happening to me. They sat back with popcorn and watched. Not one person stood up for me. And I think that things like bystander intervention training are really critical. Let's teach people not just how to identify harassment, but when you see it, what is it that you can do as an employee to productively intervene and stop that person who is being harassed? Um, and that's not Will Smith smacking Chris Rock for saying something about his wife, right? That's not how we do it. Um, but, you know, what is it that we can do as employees to intervene, to, to rescue that person, right, in that moment, and to also be able to stand together to go to HR and say, you know what, I was a witness to this, I saw this happening, this is wrong, so that that person's not standing alone. Um, and Marion's right, the harassers fall upwards, the whistleblowers' careers are shattered. There were no consequences to any of the folks um, that happened. So, you know, while people might say, oh, well, the CEO was, you know, he resigned. Um, yeah, he resigned. And I could pretty much assure you that he resigned with his contract paid out or a package. Uh, my harasshole and the HR person that enabled this behavior, they both took buyout packages and moved on. And two years later, I'm sitting here uh, still waiting for the EEOC to finish processing my case so that I can file a lawsuit. Wow. 
Wow. Yeah. So back to your original point, you can find me on LinkedIn. Uh, we can talk on my website, but if somebody is in need of a speaker, um, I would very much welcome the opportunity to do that because that just may end up being my my career path going forward. Um, although I have to say that, you know, aside from the subject matter of the book, I actually really enjoyed writing. Um, so, you know, you never know where life is going to take you, but I, I am a believer in that things happen for a reason and you may not see it in that moment. Um, but you look back and it's crystal clear. So, uh, you know, as I've said to people, as I've said in the book, this was not an experience that I would have wished for or asked to choose me in a million years, but for whatever reason it did. Um, and so I think that when those things come upon you, you're, you're called upon to do something sometimes. Absolutely. So you guys, if you need Lisa, reach out to her, LinkedIn, wherever else, keynote speeches, go get the book. Uh, I normally don't recommend things on this show, but when I see something that's good, I do. Like I said, I'm, I'm about 20 to 30 pages from the end, and it was an easy read, captivating. Uh, her story is one that I really like and resonate with as well on a personal level. So if you see something, say something. And that's how we'll end it. Until next time. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Robert. Thank you for listening to the Corporate Quitters Podcast. If you like us, tell everybody you know. Better yet, head on over to the iTunes store and leave us a five-star review. It only takes a few seconds. I can do it with my eyes closed and both hands tied behind my back. So what are you waiting for? If you want to talk to us, leave us a voice message. You might be featured on the show. Check the link in the show notes. Want to carry us wherever you go? Check out the merch on our work website. Get your I quit, O quit, or just plain quit stuff there. If you really, really like us, you can become a monthly contributor for less than a cup of coffee. Link is in the show notes. And last but not least, quit those limiting beliefs that are holding you back. And we're out. <laughs>